0: And really, we said last week that there's really, you know, we talk, there's, well, we say there's Australia and Singapore and America and Canada and all the different nations in Britain. And we said last week that, you know, we're all all aware of the nations of the world. And then there's the Olympics and the, the Olympics compete, you know, and nation competes against nation. And then even there's wars and nation rises up against nation in wars. But really, the truth of the matter is there's really only two kingdoms in this world. You know, there's all these nations, but there's really only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And so we're talking about kingdom culture because it's so important that we understand kingdom culture, even though we're from all different kinds of places. And right now, I think Australia, this is a, this city and this area is a, a hotbed for immigration and everybody coming in from all over the world. We are uh, It's wonderful, in my opinion. But you know... We're in this room, and many of us are from different places. But when we're sitting in this room together, we are of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah, and that is uh, that's the culture we want to talk about today. So last week, you know, we talked about last week. It was our first time that we talked, and we talked about the light of the kingdom. And we mentioned last week that Jesus is the light of the kingdom. Aren't you glad for that? And we said some things la- last week about Jesus being the light of the kingdom. We said this, that the things in our lives that aren't right, the things that we desire to be changed in our lives, uh, they're not going to change because of the power of our will. They're they're not going to change because of our self-discipline. They're not going to be changed because we're so strong-willed, because we decided to do something about it. We decided to do something about it uh, because we're so strong in ourselves. But last week, one of the key things that we said about Jesus being the light, the things that need changed in our life, first of all, they must be exposed by his light because he's the light of the kingdom. Jesus is the light. The scripture says that whoever has him has the light, and whoever has the light will not walk in darkness. So if there's any areas in our lives that are dark, if there's any areas that aren't quite right, and you've tried to fix them before, We said this, when Jesus shines that light on you, first of all, you see the things that need fixed. Somebody else doesn't have to point them out to you, but he points them out to you. Because we all know that when somebody points fingers at us and criticizes and condemns, I don't know of anybody that's really been changed from somebody doing that, right? But now when the master, and this came uh, onto my heart, we didn't talk about it last week, this came onto my heart while praying. You know, when uh, Peter... They were trying to get some fish there, right? And then Jesus said, go back out. And he said, cast cast the net. You know, and he, he, they sent him back out to cast the net back into the water on the other side of the boat. And Peter said, master. In other words, just the chapter before, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so Peter already had a relationship with Jesus in a sense. He said, master, we toiled all night and we haven't caught anything. So Jesus says, but he said, nevertheless, at your word... I'm going to do it. So he went back out. He cast the net down. They filled up the net with fish. He came back in. Now here's the interesting part. Even after he already had a relationship with Jesus, it says that when Peter saw it, he fell down at the feet of Jesus and he said, I'm a sinner. Now isn't that interesting? He got a little bit closer to Jesus and he saw a little bit more about his life. He saw it in the light. He wanted to change because he got in the light. Hallelujah. And so the key... For all of us, if we want to get any better in Him... Now, when I say I I shouldn't have said it that way, we're as good as we're going to be. But if we want our behavior to be different, then we can only get in His light. Because you can't have your behavior change with your own strength, the strength of your flesh. So we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're as good as we're going to be. But the way that we act can only change and get better when we get in His presence. And we're going to look at that more today. So today, what we want to talk about is kingdom laws. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you. I can relate to this because I did it. And so far, this is our third place that we've come. The first thing that we did when we moved to Italy, that was the first nation that we went to that we lived in after we left our home country. Well, one of the first things you do when you come to another nation is you find out the laws of that nation. Isn't that correct? Uh, Because you need to know the laws if you're going to live in another nation. Isn't that right? And so then we went to Singapore. And now Singapore, as you all know, that is a city of laws. And you better find out the law in Singapore. You're going to be paying fines all the time. If you haven't known, you can't chew gum. You know, you can chew gum, but if you get caught spitting gum out, it's like a $150 fine. They call it the city of fines, you know. They fine you for everything. So you better study the law in Singapore, right? And then we came to Australia, and then we, you know, we were so glad we could chew gum again. We were so glad we could buy gum. It was on sale here. Isn't it wonderful to have a country that sells gum? So, you know, uh, every country has its laws. So, you know, when we come into the kingdom of God, isn't it true that we need to understand the laws of the kingdom of God, right? And so today, we want to look at a law that's in the kingdom of God. And the law that we want to look at today... Because there's different laws in the kingdom, I can't say that we'll be able to look at all of them. We could have this series go on for months if we, uh, if we kept on going. But today we want to talk about a key law. I want you to open up to the uh, book of Romans today. Go on, to open up to Romans. We want to look at this law today. It's one of the key laws of the kingdom of God. Now, before we look at that, let's say this: you know, when it comes to a spiritual law, what kind? What can What kind of an explanation can we put on the word law, okay? And that's spiritual law. What what would be an explanation on us explaining spiritual law? Well, a spiritual law is something that works for everyone, everywhere, every time. I'll say it one more time. A spiritual law is something that works for everyone, everywhere, and every time it's kind of like the natural law of gravity, okay? Now, the natural law of gravity works for everyone, everywhere, and every time. So if, if nine more people joined me up on this platform and we had 10 of us standing across the platform, if we all jumped off, all 10 of us would go down. It wouldn't be like five of us would fall down and five of people would float up because gravity works for everyone everywhere, and every time. Isn't that correct? So when we talk about a spiritual law, it's something that works for everyone, everywhere, and every time. All right? So Romans chapter 8, and verse number 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So today we want to talk about the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, one of the key laws in the kingdom of God. So you notice there, there's two laws though. There is the law of sin and death, and there is the law then of the spirit of life. Now, one thing that that doesn't say is it doesn't say the law of the spirit, the law of sin and death no longer exists. Because the law of sin and death, death, it still exists. It hasn't been done away with. But now there is the law of the spirit of life that sets us free from the law of sin and death. So what is the spiritual law? It's something that works for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Every time. All right? So really, if people don't watch it that are in the body of Christ, they'll allow the law of sin and death to work in their life if they don't understand The greater law. See, there is a greater law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So the greater law supersedes the lesser law. Does that make sense? Uh, A good way to explain that would be uh, this. like, Of course, we know that an airplane, what, what does it take for an airplane to fly, right? So an airplane, before it can fly, because gravity holds down everything, isn't that correct? So before an airplane can fly there has to be a number of things that happens because gravity gravity works for everything, not only just everyone, but gravity works for everything. If there wasn't gravity going on right now, these speakers would be floating in the air. It'd be like up in space. So, you know, you got gravity that holds the plane down. So for in order for an airplane to be able to fly, you can see there, got there's gravity and there's drag. Those are the two negative forces that, that would stop an airplane or anything from flying okay so the drag is the negative force that pulls back and the gravity is the negative force that pulls down so if an airplane is going to fly there are two other forces that will cause an airplane to fly i understand though we have two maybe in the church there is an aeronautical engineer so uh you can talk to me after if i get this wrong okay i won't tell you who that the aeronautical engineer is so you know i'll keep that private okay but you got drag and you have gravity. So what has to happen, first of all, is the thrust, that is the, the motion going forward, it has to become greater than the drag, okay? And as the thrust becomes greater than the th- drag, then these, the wings of the plane, it starts to do this lift thing. Don't ask me about it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not an engineer. But what happens is, when you get the lift going and you get the thrust going, the lift becomes greater than the gravity and the thrust becomes greater than the drag and then the plane flies, That's basically what causes an airplane to fly. So we don't live that far from the Brisbane airport, just about 20 minutes by car. So we got planes taken off all the time flying over our house. And every time you look up and see an airplane flying, you know that when the airplane's flying, that airplane just overcame drag and gravity. In other words, the the law of lift and the law of uh, thrust caused caused it to fly up in the air. So we could say this about Christians, that when Christians overcome we know that Christians that are overcoming, they've learned how to apply the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in their life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to know, you know, what is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? And if we can understand well, what is this spiritual law, the law of the spirit of life, that is greater than the law of sin and death, then I think that we as Christians, you know, just like eagles, you know, will soar to a greater degree. Amen. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today. The law, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So with all this in mind, I would like, uh, I'd like to do this. If you'll open up to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And it's interesting because, you know, drag, uh, drag you know, the drag of the airplane opposes uh, the thrust. And the gravity opposes the lift. And see, there's negative things that happen in believers' lives you know, that tries to drag you and pull you down, just like the drag on the airplane and the gravity that pulls it down. There's drag and pull down that's going on with Christians. But, you know, the wonderful thing is when you understand the spirit, the law of the spirit of life, hallelujah, you're going to thrust forward and get lifted up in in your Christian walk. Praise God. So uh, over in the book of Romans, we want to say this. And here's something even before we get into this. The law of sin works in our flesh, okay? The law of sin works in people's flesh, and the law of sin is actually empowered by condemnation. The law of sin is empowered by condemnation. That's why when people point fingers and say, you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you're this, and you're that, and people are pointing fingers, it actually empowers the law of sin and death. It doesn't make anybody any better, but a lot of times it makes them be worse condemnation doesn't change people for the better. If it did, then we wouldn't have had to have Jesus come because we had the law in the old and the law in the old testament did very well at condemning because you had to do this and you had to do that and you couldn't do this and and all etc. and so people, you know, they didn't really get any better when Jesus came and he was walking on the earth. There were, were you know, it doesn't talk about all these great people that were keeping the law. So, you know, uh, to help somebody uh, even with our children and as parents, you know, you point the finger and say, you know, you shouldn't do this and you're this and you're that, and you know, and always pointing out the negative side. I mean, I grew up in a house like that. It's amazing that I uh, that I'm standing here today because I grew up in a house and I, I mentioned this at, at the school when I was teaching that my father and my mother, they were Italian, you know, they came from Italy. And so they spoke Italian in the house. So my, they called me Diablo most of the time. That means devil and then at various times my father was really upset, he called me Porco Diavolo. Now, Porco Diavolo in the Calabrian dialect means a devilish pig. Okay? And so that was what I was called many times. And I was called other things like stupido, which is the Italian word for stupid. And so that was a normal thing to be calling stupid, stupido, and Porco you know, porca Diavolo. Porca, it's hard to do both languages. Devilish pig. You know, it was, it was normal. Uh, and so, you know, just having that confess. So like when I was growing up, you know, I was always told all these things. So when I turned a certain age, I wasn't allowed there, They had no trust in me, my parents. So I wasn't allowed to do anything. So when I was at a football game, I was in the band. I played the drums in the marching band. So I decided there was a party going on. So I was invited to it. So I went to the party without getting permission because I wasn't ever allowed to do anything anyway. And uh, so I just called. I got to the party and I called my mother. and I said, I'm at the party. And she goes, get home right now, brat. You know, she called me brat all the time too. And I said no, and I hung the phone up. I knew I was going to get it when I got home. But because now it was like a wild animal turned loose, you know, because it was always you're this, you're that, you can't do this and all that, that I just, I got to the party and I just took a whole bottle of wine and I just, you know, a whole bottle of wine. Then I got some marijuana and started smoking marijuana, you know. It was like I was, uh, I was unleashed so they had to drive me to my house and they the people and they just dropped me off on my driveway you know and i was able to get up and i got in the house and i knocked on the door you know in in, in at the house and my mom opened the door and the first thing she did is pff, slap me right in the face you know and then she took her shoe off and it was like i'm running and she's throwing things at me but you know none of those things ever changed me But one one night then, one night I went to this Bible study and I heard that Jesus, hallelujah, died for me. And there was a little bit of light that came there that He became sin for me and He died for me. And, you know, when I got that little bit of light, then I saw that Jesus was the Savior. Then there was a day that I confessed Jesus as my Savior. That was the day that I began to change. It's just like Peter. You know, Peter said, "You're, you're Master. But then even after he called him Master, he got a little bit more light of Jesus, and he fell down again, and he said, I'm a sinner. And isn't that the way it is with us? As we come into the kingdom of God, he first of all justifies us. And this is what we want to look at. We'll get in it. We must say this. Well, I'm getting so into this. I have to say this too before we go on. The law of the spirit of life. See, I was talking about the law of sin and death Death works in our flesh. It's empowered by condemnation. But the law of, sin of, uh, the, law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that works in our spirit, and it's empowered by, listen to this, forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. The law of the spirit of life lives in our, it's in our, he's in us, hallelujah. And that is empowered by the forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit. Now that's what changes people. The forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. That's what start changing me. When I heard Jesus died for me. And you could be here today and maybe you're not born again. We're going to give you an opportunity today to get born again if you're not in this wonderful kingdom. And so let's say this the law of the Spirit of life works in a threefold process to save us. The law of the Spirit of life works in a threefold process to save us. And that threefold process is right here justification, sanctification, and glorification. The law of the Spirit of life works in a threefold process to save us. There's justification, there's sanctification, big words, aren't they? And there's glorification. It's amazing that I'm up here, the guy that almost felled out of school and dro- was a school dropout, and I'm saying those three words. See, all things are possible. Now, you might wonder, what does justification, sanctification, and glorification mean? And I, I wish I could tell you. No, I'm just kidding. But the, aren't, they, aren't they big words? but we're going to look at it, okay? (laughs) And so here's what we want to say. The beginning of our salvation, okay? The beginning of our salvation, that's justification. And that's why we want to look at Romans chapter 5. The beginning of our salvation is justification. So Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, listen to this. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we want to notice there, it says, since we have been justified through faith. Justified through faith. Now, there's that word justified, justification. So I'm going to just tell you this little uh, story, maybe to help us understand this word justification, to make it more uh, practical. So there is a man that was in prison, and this man that was in prison, he was guilty of a crime, Okay. And he had to go to the death sentence chair, you know. So he was going to be put to death. At the last moment before he was going to be put to death, somebody ran up to the warden and gave the warden a document. And the document, when it was opened up, it was a pardon. This man was pardoned at the last moment. And so the guilty man walked out of prison as a free man. But listen to this now. He was free, but he was not justified because he really was guilty. OK, now, on the other hand, there was a condemned criminal that was in prison, but he was really guilty. I mean, he's innocent. I'm sorry. There was a, there was another man that was in prison and he was really innocent, although he was in prison. OK, so he was going to be put to death. The last moment before he was going to be put to death, somebody runs up to the warden with a document. The warden opens it up and it was a pardon for this man. Okay, so this man now, listen, this man was innocent. And what happened was the guilty man came forward while he was in prison. And just before he was going to be put to death, the guilty man comes forward and said, I'm the one that did it. They hurried up and they got him out of there before he got put to death. So here he is now. He is a free man. But not only is he free, he's also justified because he was not guilty. Does that make sense? Okay, so now here's, here's the, the, here is the love of God. Here is the awesome thing, okay? So, and before I even say that, let me say that word justified, what we just described there, that is actually the legal meaning of justification. It's not only just, it doesn't only just mean that you're free, it means that you're justified. That means that man left prison free, but he was also no longer guilty. He was cleared of his crime he was justified. That's what that word means. Okay, so here's the love of God and here's the awesome thing right here. It would be impossible for an innocent man to satisfy the law. It's not, it would be impossible for an innocent man to satisfy the law. Uh, For for like a while, for for a while he might take the criminal's place. Like an innocent man, maybe for a while could take the uh, criminal's place, but he cannot take his guilt. An innocent man cannot take the guilt of somebody that would be in prison that would be guilty. And here's the love of God, because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. You see that? Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who know, knew no sin to be what? To be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So what happened is, the innocent one took our guilt... Because we were the guilty ones. And so what happened is, we walk free, but yet we were still guilty. And isn't that almost an impossible thing? Because you see, that, that guy in prison that was really guilty, even though he got pardoned, when he walked out of prison, he was still guilty. And there was nobody that could lift the guilt off of him. He knew if he killed somebody. Even though he walked out of prison, he knew it. And so we all know that we were sinners, isn't that correct? But see, what we have to know, what's very important to know, is we have to understand the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and how that affects us with salvation. The very first thing about our salvation is justification. And so when you understand justification, what you must understand is, even though we were guilty, we are walking free, and we are not guilty any longer. We are justified. Now, if if you don't understand that you're justified, then Christianity becomes difficult. Christianity becomes heavy. Christianity becomes depressing. You know, you don't want your Christianity to be depressing, do you? I remember when I first got saved, and there was this uh, guy that was teaching us. He did a wonderful job to get us saved, but after he got us saved, he gave us some doctrine that he had. It was his opinion that was really heavy. And I I mentioned to my brother, I said, you know, I was happier, it seems like. I said, I wasn't that happy before I was saved. I really needed Jesus, and I wasn't that happy. But this guy's making me even less happier. (laughs) Do you ever, you ever, you don't want a Christianity that makes you even less happy than before you were, you know, where people think, I'd rather go back to the world, this is so heavy. Uh, Jesus said, and we keep saying this here. This is one of the things we say almost every week. But Jesus said what? My yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. So Christianity should be easy and it should be light. Because if you get yoked up and hooked up with Jesus, that's what he said. And so I, I, I'm so thankful that God got us away from this guy that was giving us this stuff because I thought I think I'm going to go back. And you know what happened is I went to a, a charismatic Bible study in the basement of a Catholic church, they were kind of meeting secretly because they were born again in the basement of a Catholic church. And I went to this Bible study, and then they had a book exchange, and there was this table there, and they had, you could just take any book you wanted, then and you had to bring it back. So I saw this book by the, uh, by the name of a guy, Kenneth E. Hagan. And I took, took this book. It was called Right and Wrong Thinking. And I was just getting ready. I thought, I think I'm going to go back to the world. And I took this book, Right and Wrong Thinking, and I went home and read it, and it set me on fire, and I've never wanted to go back to the world since then because it was about right and wrong thinking. And so, you know, understanding the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, uh, we have to know this, the moment, I mean the absolute second that somebody accepts Jesus Christ as Lord, they become justified. Justification. That is the first... So we could say this about justification, justification, okay, in a simple way of saying it, it means that we're saved from the penalty of our sins. Justification means that we're saved from the penalty of our sins, okay? And then also, uh, you see up there, justification means every requirement of the law was fully met in us. And uh, here's some other scriptures, look at Colossians chapter 2, awesome scripture, Colossians chapter 2, we have peace with God, Romans 5.1 says. It says that because we're justified, we have peace with God. If you're born again and Jesus is your Lord today, you should have peace with God. Now, it doesn't mean you have peace in the world. You understand the difference. To have peace with God means that you're born again and Jesus is your Lord and you're no longer striving with God because you, you accepted the free gift. You accepted Jesus Christ. He's your Lord now and you have peace. But yet you're in the world and you might have a trial or a test going on. So you might have some kind of unpeace or unrest there. And that's different than having peace with God. So being born again gives us peace with God. Now look at this, Colossians chapter 2. This will help us even better to understand what we're talking about. In verse number 14, Colossians 2 and verse 14, it says, "...having canceled the written code with its regulations." that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Now that that in a sense sounds a little uh, complicated, but let me do my best to, to give you another story to try to explain this. When Jesus was laying on the cross and he had his arms open like this and they were getting ready to pound the nails into his hand, we could say it this way, in his hands he held Without It was not visible to the human eye, but we could just imagine, I want you to imagine that in the hands of Jesus, he held this written code. He held the law in his hands. He held in his hands the regulations that are against us. So picture Jesus laying there. And then I want you to picture as he's holding those uh, regulations, the laws that were written that are against us, that as the first nail went into his hand, at that very moment, because of what he did for us, that those that law, those regulations that are against us, it was nailed to the cross. And so what does that mean? It means because of what Jesus did, it means this that we're totally justified. Total justification because of what he did. So the first process in our salvation, the first thing about the law of the spirit of life that we have to know, as soon as you make Jesus Christ your Lord, you're justified. And it's not based upon what you do after. You're justified. It's complete. Okay? That is the first step of salvation. That's the first thing that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus does. So after that, after you come into the kingdom of God, and after you're totally justified, then here's the second thing about the law of the spirit of life working along with our salvation. The second thing that happens is sanctification. Okay, now, let me explain sanctification, another big word there. But sanctification means this, it means that we're saved from the power of sin. Justification means we're saved from the penalty of sin, you see? Now, sanctification means that you're saved from the power of sin, all right? So another way to look at it is this, sanctification is the daily working out of our salvation, Sanctification is our daily working out of our salvations. So a scripture that we like to use a lot around here is, is this you know, that he is in us, right? And it says in the word that we should work out our own salvation. So we'll put that up and we'll look at that. In Philippians chapter two, we love using that scripture here because it's so correct. Philippians chapter two, and I want you to look at verse number 12 and 13. If you put that up in the New King James uh, first, we're going to look at Philippians 2 in the New King James. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? And then verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I'd like you to see this verse in another translation. If we look at it, and I don't know if they have that translation. Do you have the Weymouth translation? Uh, And if you don't, I'll just read it. So I I don't see it going up there because they can move pretty quick there. So here's the Weymouth translation. Here's what it says. It says, for it is God himself whose power creates within you the desire to do his gracious will and also bring about the accomplishment of the desire. That's the Weymouth translation. So listen to that now. It is God himself whose power creates within you the desire uh, to do his gracious will. So where does the desire come for you to do the will of God? It's God himself that creates the desire. Now, when I was praying for everybody that was going to be here today, the Lord told me something that it just amazed me because I was a little troubled because I know that this, I know this, you know, it's, it's like this that once you get saved, you're totally justified. But then I know that there's people, and I know that there's people that came today, because in prayer, I know this in prayer by the Holy Ghost, people came here today, that you got saved from some ugly things years ago. And then when you first got saved, when you were on your honeymoon with Jesus, you actually stopped doing a lot of things that you used to do. And you felt really great, but then you slowly slipped back into some things, and then there's some that not only slowly slip back, but you're, you're dealing with things. And it seems like, you know, you overcome it for a while. And then after you overcome it for a while, then, you know, then you're dealing with it again. And then you seem like you do well. And then you're dealing with it again. And it's like a back and forth thing. And so I was bothered by that. And I said, Lord, what, what, could, I, what could I do? Uh, I should say, say, what could I say to help people? Is there, and of course, I can't say anything. It's only his word that could help us, right? But here's what he spoke to me while I was praying. Because my thought, my thought was this, you know, some people feel hopeless. And they think, can I ever live the Christian life? People are feeling hopeless in that way, thinking that, you know, I just haven't been consistent. And here's what the Lord said to me when I was praying. He said, you say this, the fact that everyone is sitting in the room today is proof that I'm on the inside of them and I'm working in them because they wouldn't even be in the room if they didn't desire to be better. And you know what I mean by better. It means acting your Christianity, walking it out. And I know that sounds really simple, but I was amazed because, you know, so so many times we think, well, I, I could do this better and I could do that better. But first of all, the first thing about the law of the spirit of life is, number one, you're totally justified. You're totally justified. So it doesn't matter, in the sense, on your behavior. Your behavior doesn't matter in the sight of God. He justified you. Now, most Christians, they'll never get that. They'll never understand that. They'll, they'll, they'll always think that God is either pleased or not pleased with them based upon their behavior. But you understand that God it pleased God to bruise Jesus and to put sin on Jesus... It pleased God to do that to Jesus. So when we get saved, we're justified. And he's, he's pleased with you. But what happens with Christians then, once they get saved, the daily walking out of our salvation and our behavior, how we act, people think, well, I'm good one day, I'm not good the next day. I, you know, one day I did well, the next day I didn't do so well. And it's an up and down thing. And then people get discouraged. And so I, that's what the Lord said. He said to say this, the fact that you're even sitting in the room today is proof that he's on the inside working in you. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't want him. That's what he said. You would not be here if you didn't desire him. You would not be here if you didn't want to serve him. You would not be here if you didn't want to act like you're a saint. Because he's already made you saints. I mean, the Bible says we're saints. Even if we're not acting like it, we are. You see? You're already a saint. You're already holy. Now, I know that blows some people's minds, but if you're born again, you're already holy. You know, if you're saved and born again today, I want you to say that. Say, I'm a saint. saint. Say, I'm holy. holy. See, it's not based upon what you think that is. (laughs) That's based upon that God called you that. God called you a saint, and God called you holy. So that's justification. Justification. But now, the daily walking out, and people think, well, you know, I've I, not been as consistent. Isn't that a big one, that Christians say, I've not been as consistent as, you know, I heard, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I heard Kenneth Hagin say one time that he, did, he wasn't as consistent as he w- would have liked to have been. I bet you could talk to a lot of the, who, who we would call big-name ministers, and they would all say that, well, I'm not as consistent as I would have liked to have been. And so don't we all sometimes feel like we're not as consistent as we have liked to have been? See, the way that that justification and sanctification, they have to work together. So here's kind of like a picture of that. Justification is our position in Christ. In other words, when we get saved, we're seated in heavenly places. In other words, we've already arrived. We're already seated in heavenly places. We're already there. So okay, even so, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, and He's already declared us to be righteous. But now here we are walking on the earth, okay. And uh, as we're walking on the earth, as we go through our Christian walk, we grow. Isn't that correct? And as He shines light on something, as we said last week, once light is shined upon a thing, first of all, you discover what needs to be changed. I can't point things out to you that needs to be changed. I can't put a flashlight on you and say, that needs change and that needs change. You can, uh, you can stop doing that now and do this. I can't do that. But see, it's the wonderful thing about being in this kingdom that we're in is that when we get in the presence of God, He shines the light. He'll show us. If there's something you're doing that He doesn't want you to do, He'll shine a light on it. And sometimes, you know, the, the most amazing thing is He might not do it when we think He should. Like, you know, the way we are, if we see somebody doing something, we, we think they need to know it right now. And sometimes God doesn't shine a light on it for weeks, for months. And we're back thinking, how could that be? Well, look at what they're doing. See, we, we think very small we, compared to God. And to be honest, we think very judgmental compared to God. But when you understand the whole picture, isn't it much easier to love your brothers and sisters? When, when you understand the whole picture... And the whole picture is if somebody confesses Jesus as Lord, they're already saved, but they're already justified too. So in other words, they're already, they're in God's sight, they're totally, they're totally holy. They're as good as they're ever going to be in the sight of God. You cannot get any more righteous than you are once you get saved. So, But we're walking out our daily walk. So here's the thing we have to understand. Our daily walk, and as we walk, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. And so this is what we have to understand, that the law of this kingdom, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. It says in my Bible that there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those are the things we must understand. So if God is not condemning you as you do your walk, you shouldn't condemn yourself. One of the greatest feasts for Christians uh, to rob them of their victory is they condemn themselves. And so we said it earlier, the law of of sin and death works in our flesh, and it's powered by condemnation. It's powered by self-examination. You start examining yourself and condemning yourself, that empowers the law of sin and death. It doesn't cause anybody to get any better, but really worse. But on the contrary now, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus works in our spirit, And that law is empowered by forgiveness, hallelujah, and it's empowered by the Spirit of God who lives in us. And so when we understand how those two things work together, as we're doing, it's kind of like enjoying the journey. A lot of Christians need to enjoy their Christian journey. But you know why Christians don't enjoy their journey? It's because they condemn themselves so much. And so they don't don't enjoy the journey because of the, the fact that they're condemning themselves. So when you know that you're already... Justified, and now we're walking it out. Uh, as you're doing your walk, say you you do your walk, and during the day, you say something that you thought you would never say again. Has any anybody ever done that? Like sometimes, uh, you know, when I got saved, I thought I thought that I would never say a cuss word again when I first got saved. And then we're out, you know, I've only been saved a couple of weeks, and we're out playing football, and uh, I, I was very competitive. So me and my brothers, you know. We're on different teams, and me and my brother Joe, it's the first time we played football as Christians. And we thought, let's go play football with the neighborhood guys. Maybe we can get them saved. Well, he and I ended up on the opposite side, and we're, we're the ones competing. And we started to call, use the F word against each other, and we got in a big fight, and we're cussing in front of the, the people we thought we were going to save. <laughs> and I thought I would never do it again. So we, we went home with our heads... You know, we just went home with our heads drooping down thinking we thought we would save our neighbors and we ended up cussing in front of them because we got too competitive. But God, you know, God, you, you think sometimes you'll never do it again and then you do. And this, this, is, what, this is the key here. So when that kind of thing happens, it's, it's, this is what we have to know. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it sets us free from the law of sin and death. In Christ Jesus, there should be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So okay somebody slips up like that you have to know that, that right there right then and there you don't run away from God See a lot of times Christians run they run away from church because they if church is a place where there's condemnation then that empowers it it doesn't help anybody to get better right The first thing when somebody gets sick or somebody makes a mistake the first place they should want to run to is church I should there really should have been a bigger amen on that one But th- that's where people should Because that's, you know, the forgiveness of sin and the love of God and the Holy Spirit, that's what changes us. Hallelujah. I'm preaching too long today. Now, this other, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 29. Colossians 1 and verse number 29. Look at that. Look what it says. I love this because this is Paul. You know, we talked about he works on the inside. Now, look what Paul said the same thing. He said, wherefore, I also labor... Striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily, so you see what paul says he said i'm i'm a i also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily Paul said that no- notice how Paul said the way that he labors is that he's he's laboring with what's already working in him now that uh that word there is uh, the word working you see the word working there that word is energeo and that word uh What it means is right there, in the New Testament, it's used of a superhuman power, whether of God or the devil. So in this case, it's God. So you know what that says? That He is working in us, hallelujah. There's superhuman power working in you. So, okay, let's try to say it better now. Justification, we're already as righteous as we're going to be. Sanctification... We have superhuman power in us to walk our daily walks out. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, I'm working and I'm striving. But he said, it's not me alone. It's something working in me. There's a superhuman power working in me that makes me want to serve God. And that's why everybody's even here today. You want to be here today because you want to serve. You want God. You want God. You want more of God and you want to walk and you want to walk with him and serve him. Because why? It's working It you. It's like when you get saved, there's like when you throw a, a, fish, a hook thing into the water and a fish gets hooked, I mean, the fish can't break away from it because it's hooked. It's like when you get saved, something gets hooked. God hooks himself into your spirit, and it's like you, don't, you can't get away from him. That's why we're here today. So Paul said that. He said, something's working on the inside of me, and whatever, what's working there is Superhuman. And it makes, it's just empowering me, and it makes me want to do the will of God. See, so there's justification, that's your position. There's sanctification, that's our daily working out. I'm working on what's on the inside, we're working it to the outside. And while we're doing that process, there is no condemnation. This is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is kingdom culture. So we we should be able to walk around as Christians and hold our heads high. You shouldn't allow the devil to condemn you. You shouldn't allow the devil to tell you you don't qualify to be blessed because of what he did. Now, I went a little long today, but I want to just do this. We didn't get to glorification, but we can just say this about glorification. That is when we're quickened when he comes back and he changes us in the twinkling of an eye. So what I want to do is I just want to put up this graph to do a little summary on what we talked about today. And see, here's what we're talking about. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. All right? So justification, uh, you see, justification is this. We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified. God made him who knew no sin for us to be sin, so we might become the righteousness of God. Justification, we are saved from the penalty of our sin. It's instant. You see, it's instant and complete deliverance from the penalty of sin. That's what justification is. Glory to God. Now, sanctification. This is the daily working out of our salvation and sanctification, as we already looked at it. To this end, Paul said, I labor struggling uh, with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. That's God working in us Uh, again. There it is again. Work out your own salvation with fear and troubling. Sanctification is this. We are safe from the power of sin. Now, what does that mean? You know, there's this war going on with your flesh and with your spirit. Well, sanctification is our daily thing that we're saved from the power of sin. We're empowered on the inside, God working in us. It's a progressive deliverance from the power of sin as you walk your Christian life. That's what sanctification is. And then glorification is the end of our salvation. Uh, we, will, we will be saved from the presence of sin. In other words, once we're, we get our new bodies, there's no more even sin. We're away from it completely. It's our final deliverance from the presence of sin. That's what glorification is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. I thank you that people that are sitting in this room right now, I thank you for all the justified saints of God sitting in this room, Father. We thank you so much that you empower us. We thank you for our kingdom culture, Lord, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that you're working in us, empowering us. Father, before we leave here today, maybe there would be one in this place that's never confessed Jesus as their Lord, Father. And we so do pray for them, Lord, that they would not walk out of this room today without making Jesus their Lord. Thank you, Father, for speaking to their heart right now and making it so clear to them that they must be born again. With the eyes closed.